Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. Blake, Iowa Gopher. Happy to be here and not from a basement. And you streets. Hey y'all. Okay, uh, I'm gonna regroup myself. We we need to. We're gonna start with some laughter, and the best and most obvious source of laughter is our dear friends, the corn-loving denizens of Nebraska, who decided, sure, let's go all in in Scott Frost's fifth season. Certainly, the fact that he did nothing to improve the offensive or defensive lines will result in a bowl. Or better season. Whoa, 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 whoa. Those lines vomited 15 to 20 times of practice. Uh, yes, they did improve the amount of vomiting. That is true. Um, Weren't you last week making the bold pronouncement that Nebraska would be 3-3 three three <laughs> after six weeks with a loss to Northwestern? Yeah, now I'm hoping for uh, one in five with somehow a loss to UND, but I'll stick with my three and three prediction. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, good for us. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I was especially pleased with coughing up two double-digit leads, and despite the fact that Northwestern went into complete shell mode, Kent State protocol, whatever you want to call it, just straight up, like, didn't even sweat it. Missed a field goal. Didn't sweat it. Still still just slowly choked the life out of Nebraska. It was magic. I, I had to explain to my wife like why I took such delight in this result. And, and I like I had to explain that this fan base, this offseason especially, like, I mean, every offseason they delude themselves into thinking like this is going to be the year. But this offseason especially, after the tenure that he's had, they convinced themselves that he's the piece – made the perfect hires on the coach staff. He's got the, he's pulled in 18 guys from transfer. Every one of them is going to fill a role and play, and play like that plug up that, that hole perfectly. And it's just like, you guys, you can change things around all you want. It's still the same guy at the top. And just the fact that they would, after all this hype, this offseason, all this optimism for them to face plant day one, week zero is just like a cherry on top of a, of a Sunday. It's incredible. It's just what a, what a turn. I mean, if there's really one downside here, it's that uh, white speed receiver has run out of the ability to continue his Brewster to Scott Frost comparison because Minnesota fired Brewster by this point in his tenure uh, in terms of wins and losses. Uh, but we have a ways to go still, likely, before Nebraska may or may not choose to do the same. Has has he has Frost surpassed Brewster in terms of like coaching and competence performance? Like, do you, would you say right now that Scott Frost is a worse head coach than Tim Brewster? A hundred percent. Wow, incredible! I mean, Tim 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 Brewster took teams to two bowl games. Uh, that's not something that I would normally. I mean, it was back to back insight bowls, which was the bane of the bowl existence at the time, and. He did it in a, a real terrible, uh, terrible fashion uh, in terms of back, you know, closing out his seasons with lots of losses, uh, and of course, you know, didn't do a thing against any rivals. Uh, but he still went to two bowl games. He still had two seasons with at least six wins. I, I got. I mean, 
<laughs> I got nothing else. Like, if the trajectory continues, Frost would actually be fired at roughly the same time that Brewster was fired. Yeah, Frost finishes fifth, 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 and tied for sixth in the conference. Brewster finished eleventh, then sixth, then eighth, and then would have finished you know a last eleven again and was canned after year four. From a trajectory perspective, Frost started bad, stayed bad, has gotten, well, weekly speaking, won five games in 2019, but then 2020 and 2021 only won three. Currently 0 for 1 right now. It is difficult to make an argument with the embedded advantages that Nebraska has that Frost has somehow done better than Tim Brewster, who was a clown for many reasons, but at least was accurate in that the University of Minnesota, when Tim Brewster took over in 2007, did not have the institutional advantages of the University of Nebraska when Scott Frost took it over in 2018. I think my other favorite stat is that he would have to win 66-0 straight games to be able to match Bo Pelini's winning percentage. <laughs> Here's a question. Who do you think brag more about their lines vomiting? Bo Pelini or Scott Frost? Bo Pelini would have been too busy yelling at people uh, about how angry they made him to brag about the vomit. Oh, so he the, also, the vomit wasn't the appropriate consistency or something? Yeah, he would have been upset that they're not puking enough. I think he would have he would have been mad that the media told him that they weren't puking enough or that they were puking too little. It would have been the media's fault in some way. Um, it wouldn't have been him saying anything about it. Something they said would have mischaracterized what he believed to be the truth. Oh, Nebraska. I mean, feel free to hold on to Scott Frost. We, we don't have any problems with that. That's It's okay. It's okay by us. All right. Um, Oh, and briefly, just real quick, we don't need to actually discuss this in depth. Do we actually think Northwestern is any good? This is an even year, uh, or was Nebraska just that bad? Uh, I think that might be decent. I think they're going to be they're better than they were last year. I think that's safe to say. Um, they could be a pesky team this year. When that's historically the past two of the past four years, pesky has gotten them to the Big Ten championship. So I mean, I don't think there's a clear favorite in the West right now. I think Northwestern. Could make a run at it. I am not, but I'm not going to base that on one game alone. But I'll, as far as I'll go, I'll say they're better than they were last year. Street. <sighs> well, it's Northwestern, so I have no idea. I mean, that's fair, Andy. I mean, I think they'll be decent. They've got uh, they've got a good running game. They've got you know an all American offensive line men if they can get the rest of the offensive line to play decent. Um, their quarterback you know has shown promise. Will he be as good against the rest of the Big Ten as he looked against Nebraska's defense? I wouldn't guarantee that, but I mean, you can't guarantee a, a fit. You can't not guarantee a fits bounce back into that six and six range. I don't think they're going to be necessarily good enough to compete for the West title, but I think I think sneaking into a low-level bowl game is not anywhere close to out of the question. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think they play anything resembling what they did on Saturday. Bowl games, I don't know, feels actually more like a guarantee to me. Um, 
not speaking to quality, just speaking to uh, eligibility. I mean, a lot, just, I was just going to say, a lot will just come down to how they fare against the other game. I mean, it may come down to that Northwestern Illinois game is for a bowl again. It may come down to, you know, I don't know. I don't know who Northwestern's crossovers are, but you know, they gotta, they gotta beat the teams other than Nebraska that are, you know, run relatively equal footing. Cause they're probably not going to fare nearly as well against the Minnesota, the Iowa's, the Wisconsin's, et cetera. That's a fair point. Um, New Mexico state, uh, was, I don't know. I don't even know if I describe pesky as what they were against, Nevada, but they lost to Nevada. Uh, Blake, I'm I'm interested uh, in what you see uh, in the cards for the Gophers on Thursday night against uh, Jerry Kill's fighting Aggies. I mean, it's one of those situations where I mean, one, it's week zero, so you don't really know. You know, yeah, I can make any snap judgments off of week zero, um, but it's just one of those games. I think the final score between Nevada and New Mexico State was 23-12, and like either two bad offenses or two good defenses. Um, I mean, I'm inclined to think they're both just not very good. Um, I mean, <clears throat> New Mexico State was one of the worst teams in all of FBS last year. That's why they you know, ended up hiring Jerry Kill in the offseason. Um, and then somehow they, they managed to hold Nevada to you know 23 points um, and like 270 yards of offense. But Nevada, conversely, they have a first-year head coach. I think their old head coach, Jay Norvell, went to Colorado State. They're replacing a three-year starting quarterback and their top five pass catchers. And you'd know that from looking at how they performed uh, on Saturday. They had like two quarterbacks complete 60% of the passes and throw for like 75 yards and no, no touchdowns. Um, they really just rode their run game um, to the win. Oh, also they took advantage of some turnovers. So New Mexico state, um, their Juco transfer quarterback, Diego Pavia started the game. He eventually got pulled after throwing three interceptions and losing one fumble. And those all came in the first half. So four turnovers in the first half. Um, and then the second half, he made one drive. And then they turned it over to the freshman, um, Gavin Frakes, who actually led them on their only two scoring drives of, of the game. Um, so it was, it was a one possession game in the fourth quarter. I will give New Mexico state credit for that, but um, they weren't able to run the ball very well. They're, the top running back only had 28 rushing yards, 11 carries as a team. They averaged 3.4, 3.4 yards per carry. Um, just is just a real struggle fest between those two teams. And to mean to make matters worse, um, there was a lightning delay at one point too. So, um, you know, which is <laughs> with a game like this between these two opponents. I mean, I feel bad for everyone who had to stay up and watch that game. I didn't, I caught the highlights the next day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, there's the Bowling Green Itis in me. Like last year, I, I just remember the pod we had before that, and I was for it was a rare moment of, of kind of confidence for me. I was like, this team sucks. They're not like Minnesota's not gonna have a problem with them. Um, so naturally, as a Minnesota fan, I just have I'm traumatized by that. Um, so I can't have too much confidence. But this Mexico State team, I just nothing about them really impressed me on on Saturday. I mean, they're talking up their defense being strong, but I. I don't think that was a tough test for them, that Nevada offense. I think they'll have a lot harder time with Minnesota's offense. I mean, you know, their past game wasn't great last year, but I tend to think uh, Kirk Scirocco is an upgrade over Mike Sanford as an offensive quarter. I think that's an objective fact. Um, they've got a lot of experience at wide receiver with Chris Allen Bell, Tanner Morgan, veteran quarterback. Um, yeah, I just, I yeah, I don't have high expectations for New Mexico State on Thursday. I think this is a game that... Um, 
Minnesota can and should win. Um, it's when they, where they should be able to impose their will. Like it may take a little bit longer than we'd like because the offensive line is, you know, brand new and starting to, and just starting to gel and um, probably won't look like a cohesive, cohesive unit for most of um, this game. But it's just a game that I think Minnesota's defense should take care of business. Mexico State only, yeah, only had 12 points in their opener against a Nevada team that um, – wasn't very good defensively last season. Only returned three starters from that team, so they're breaking a lot of new guys. So um, overall, yeah, just not impressed with um, Jerry Kill's uh, first-year Aggies. And I, I think this is just a game that Minnesota should probably dominate both sides of the ball. And if they don't, I mean, season opener. It's people are going to want to blow out. It's probably going to not be as big a blowout as as they'd like it to be. But it's a game Minnesota should win handily. I would like a blowout. I would like a blowout because Jerry Kill has found a way to sap all of the goodwill. He doesn't want it. That I had. For I don't know if you saw his post game after he said that the media is going to make this game about him, but he wants it to be about the players. So you know, Jerry is—he's not about himself. He doesn't want to make this about him, you know. Oh, and that's why he went on TV with the local media in Minneapolis and said he didn't want to shake PJ's hand. Yeah, that's. Makes a lot of sense. He's Jerry. about the players, Chris. You just gotta. It's. It, I know it's kind of. It's forty chess to you, to the rest of us plebs. But Jerry's just operating on another level right now, and all of his actions are for his players. So we, you just gotta understand that. On some level, I think we should appreciate that Jerry Kill is trying really hard to be a Minnesotan, in that he is being obviously nasty, but is trying to couch it as not. Unfortunately. Because Jerry is, quote, not from here. He doesn't have quite the same panache as doing the passive-aggressive nastiness thing. And I think that's the problem. He's trying really hard, but he's just not there. He just doesn't have the talent. It's a cultural skill. I mean, we work hard at making people think that we're nice when we're actually pissed off and angry and bitter. Um, Nothing says I am... from Minnesota, like adequately hating on anyone who is not from Minnesota. And I think Jerry kind of wants to do that because he kind of wants to do that with PJ, but he just doesn't have the skill set, doesn't have the range. All right, I'm going to put us through uh, a couple simple questions, some over-unders, some yes-nos, and then I want to turn it over for a little... Uh, open uh, response to what you're hoping to see on Thursday night. First one, uh, kind of a poll of hands. Just give me a yes, no around the room. Jerry Kill actually does not shake PJ's hand. He'll shake his hand. He's all talk. Agreed. Same thing. He'll shake it. I don't think he will shake it if by shaking a hand you mean actually a handshake, but I feel like they will exchange some contact <laughs> via hand. All right. So he will, you know, brush his pinky in the direction of, you know, t- take that t- fingertip and just like lightly uh, make contact. With yeah. Him. Like Got fifth it. grade, fifth grade crush. It, it, it'll be quite similar to what uh, PJ and Brom have been doing over the last <laughs> few years, which the, the, the walk by the exactly. walk. By handshake. Exactly. Well, at least, you know, they've played each other. To be fair, PJ will PJ will be good at this because he does it with quite a few coaches. <laughs> what I love is that Kill has made it. I okay. I guess I'm not going straight to the other easy questions. I'm going to expand for a moment. 
kill has made it so easy for PJ. Like PJ doesn't have to do anything here. He just he just goes out and says, "I mean, handshaking's what you do." I'm gonna try to hit, shake hands. I don't know why anybody else wouldn't. What I mean, he's made it so to, easy. His, to PJ's credit, like he never does stuff like this. He's not. He doesn't talk about other. Co- no, he, he doesn't, doesn't talk about other coaches. He doesn't like. If he has grudges, he's not gonna talk about it. He's not gonna do anything outwardly to to show them. So I mean, say what you will about PJ, but he's genuinely a very classy guy. No, 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 no. I'm not saying he's not classy. Because my no, 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 wasn't that. I'm saying of the two of them. P.J. Fleck understands what it's like to be a Minnesotan. Because what you also mentioned there is that it's not like P.J. doesn't like some people. See Jeff Brome, see the entire Iowa coaching staff. But outwardly, you pretend you're all friends. And then like Klobuchar and Buttigieg, you like clearly hate each other. That's the goal. P.J. is very good at that. It's that simmering tension, the palpable tension in the air between two people. It's just, it's always there. That is the essence of being Minnesotan. You have described and, and distilled the internal essence of being Minnesotan. Simmering tension to all around that you do not show. I can't wait. There's going to be at least one person who listens to this who is going to get very, very mad not realizing that three of the four of us are born raised. <laughs> I live in Cincinnati by choice, but that's not where I'm from, y'all. <laughs> North Northwoods for me, land of the Northern Lights. That's 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 me. I live in Chicago. I don't really talk about where I came from before that, uh, for obvious reasons. So we'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Uh, over under. Um, we see Mo rush for over under two hundred yards. Under. Under. He's not playing in the second half. I'll say under, but that's because he and Trey will both go for about buck seventy-five. Okay. Um, who has more touchdowns, Trey, uh, Trey, Mo, or Tanner? Are you counting like touchdown passes as a Tanner? Yes. Touchdown? Yeah, passes, passes for Tanner. Count. I'll go Mo. Mo, uh, I'll say Trey just to mix it up. I mean, the the only the only way it's Tanner is if Shiraka comes out early and says we're going to try and throw the deep ball, and for whatever reason he hits Spanford for like a fifty yarder and he hits Wright for like a fifty yarder and things like I that. Mean, I think you know, Red State did rank yeah. like one hundred twenty seventh in passing defense last year. So no, I I, I mean I, I definitely can't rule it out. I just think if that's going to have to happen, I think Tanner's going to get three or four in the first half, and then it's going to be whatever running back tries to catch up. If we get down to the red zone and we get rushing touchdowns for two of our first three touchdowns, then there's no way Tanner's going to be able to keep up because I do think if assuming we go up, let's just say four touchdowns by halftime or even three touchdowns by halftime you're going to see a lot of running in the second half. So any 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 fun passing game we're going to see is going to have to happen in the first 30 minutes. I am going to make my first prediction that is almost certain to be wrong, but I am going to say that the first play from scrimmage, offensive play from scrimmage from Minnesota, is a technically some kind of RPO, but is a designed play-action sluggo to crab for like 60 yards. I think that is the first play that is being called. All right. 
Uh, moving to the defense, does Minnesota give up more than 14 points? No. No. I'll stick with no. Okay. I agree with you uh, on that. I don't know if there's actually been a single non-conference game that I thought before this P.J. Fleck would actually open the playbook up for. I think he, I think he will open up the playbook for this game. See, everybody really wants him to, but until I see it, I'm still not going to believe it. Because we all, we, we, we all want to see Betty, a petty, vengeful Fleck. We've not yet seen that um, on the field, at least. He is not one of us until he puts up 48 and complains about his neighbor's lawn. Well, so, I mean, I, and talking history, I was going to bring this up later, but looking back, the last time the Gophers played New Mexico State was the Thursday night opener 2018. One of P.J. Fleck's, that would have been what, year two of Fleck 2018? Yeah. And the Gophers, and the Gophers won 48-10. to 10. So he can turn it up against bad opponents. In fact, the same opponent we're playing this Thursday night. Um, but, yeah, I don't necessarily think he's going to have Tanner going for 350 and 5 to rub it in Kill's face. Let's put it that way. I don't think it's going to be an aerial attack. Don't get me wrong, per se. I think it will very much be, when I say opening up the playbook, I mean they will run more than four different plays on offense. You will see at least three formations. Which for a non-conference game with Kurt Sharaka and PJ Fleck is kind of opening it up. I think that only depends if New Mexico State can stop the first four offensive formations they run. If we're running for eight yards a carry, no, he's not going to do anything different. I mean, yeah, there's a bit of Denzel in Remember the Titans, but what I, I just think that it would be a little bit there seems to be, certainly in the first half, I'm not saying the second half, but I would be surprised if P.J. Fleck did not give some green lights. I mean, given what I have called as my I'm certain to be wrong prediction for how his game starts. I also just mean that that's going to apply on offense, but I think it's also going to apply on defense. Not that they're going to like give up some special blitz that Rossi has cooked up. Like That's not what I mean. But I think there will be more attacking of the quarterback and New Mexico State early on than maybe there would be in the first week where they tend to be a little bit more base and very, we're going to try and take our four and beat your five. I think they'll bring more pressure. I just want Guardsy to report from the sidelines that Rossi looked right at Fleck and told him, run him up, PJ, leave no doubt. That's that's really what I'm looking for. I want someone to non-ironically utter the phrase kill shot. So, okay, we're all in agreement then. Kill has burned all of the bridges at this point. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Jerry, 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 Jerry. Um, okay, well, let's let's turn it towards what each of you are hoping to see. Uh, uh, you know, just something that would make you really happy on Thursday night. I'm going to start with myself. Uh, I would like to see that when Blake writes Elite, Bad, and Ugly, that... Uh, the special teams play across the board is in nowhere is nowhere to be found in bad and ugly. I don't really care if they make their way into elite. I just don't want to see anything related to special teams in bad or ugly. Uh, Blake, how about you? Uh, it's elite may and ugly, Chris, but you know I know you don't read anything I write, so this is this comes as no surprise to me. Uh, what do I want to see? 
What do I see? Yes, you didn't even laugh. I was hoping for at least a laugh there, but you know, it's it's too true. It's it stings. I know. Once again, one of the four of us is not from Minnesota. Guess which one? <laughs> uh, what am I looking for? What do I want to see Thursday night? Um, I am looking forward to people finally remembering what the Kirk Schrock experience is like, especially in the non-conference. Um, but maybe he's changed his tune. Like you said, he might open up the playbook a little bit this time. Um, yeah, mostly just looking forward to see what he does with the passing game. We'd love to see Tanner, you know, get comfortable early and make a lot of connections. You know, I, usually with these season openers, it's a bit of a struggle in the first quarter, you know, even in going into the second quarter. So it'd be nice to see him settle in early um, and just look comfortable most of the game, just look like he's, you know, back in the rhythm and people can get off his back. So that's what I'm looking forward. Andy, what are you hoping to see as you uh, enjoy this game from the stands? Nobody gets hurt. We don't need a repeat of last year, Ohio State. Everybody gets to make it through another week, and we don't lose anybody for multiple weeks in the first game of the season. Uh, you know, I'll, t- I'll even take a, whatever, a 24-7 win. I don't care about the blowout as long as everybody stays healthy, please. Street? Andy took my serious answer, which is win and no injuries. I will also expand no injuries on both sides. Week one terrifying for everyone first time you're getting hit by somebody else in full pads that's always dangerous so gophers win no injuries on either side would be the serious answer the uh, slightly less serious answer but the very funny answer would be a shot of jerry kill in a headset with some ludicrous score that he is losing by i i am here for that it will definitely go out on the Twitter account if it happens. I can tell you that much. All right. Any final thoughts for the game before we turn our uh, attention over to volleyball? Just win, baby. Go Gophers. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch. I, I am excited to – well, I'm not excited about being in the Eastern time zone for this kickoff. <laughs> but other than that, I'm excited for Thursday night. All right, volleyball. Volleyball had uh, a good weekend. Uh, come out, coming out pretty hot against a uh, ranked Baylor, number 16 Baylor, took them down, and then took care of TCU, who was not good as far as uh, we could tell uh, from what Andy was leading us uh, in with a re- uh, sorry a preview last week. Andy, can you break uh, down a little more of the highs uh, and any lows from the Gophers this past weekend? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was a real good start. Uh, the Gophers... Uh, Started off their season against uh, number 16 Baylor, like you said, on Friday afternoon. And, uh, you know, for a while it looked a lot like last year. Baylor took the uh, took the opening set, and Minnesota looked a little shaky. Um, you know, they just didn't quite look in the in as strong as they have. Uh, but they promptly turned that around. Uh, they won the next three, 25-16, 25-23, 25-17, cruising to a fairly easy 3-1 win over Baylor, um, getting that first win. Um and, uh, you know, really getting an impressive freshman, uh, true freshman Carter Booth. Uh, if the name Booth sounds familiar, if anybody remembers Calvin Booth, former Penn State basketball star NBA, that would be his daughter. Um, and she takes after him because she's only 6'7". Um, but she uh, she set a, a, a go for freshman record, 11 blocks in her first collegiate match, six kills. Uh, so a great start for her. Uh, Jenna Wenis picked up where she left off last season, 17 kills to, to lead the Gophers and Taylor Landfair, uh, finally healthy, uh, for the first time in over a season, 15 kills. 
Uh, she'd come back against TCU. Uh, Lanfear would leave the team with 15 kills again. Uh, go for easy 3-0 sweep against TCU to uh, start out 2-0 on the season. Um, but the interesting thing is in the earlier match on Saturday, uh, also down at this Big 12, Big 12 Challenge, was a defending national champion Wisconsin. Uh, the Badgers came in ranked number three in the country, the Gophers number five. Uh, but Wisconsin got upset 3-2 by Baylor on Saturday. Um, so the Gophers uh, looking early like uh, a better team than the Badgers. Obviously, the first two games don't mean much. Um, Gophers moved up to number four in the poll this week, and they will get a ridiculously tough task Wednesday, their next match. They stay down in the Lone Star State. They get to take on the number one Texas Longhorns in Austin. Uh, Texas started out preseason number two, but they swept number seven, previous number seven Ohio State in Columbus last weekend. Uh, so the Longhorns leapfrog Nebraska to take over the number one spot. Nebraska two. Um, I'll have to double check. I don't know who moved up to three now. Uh, but the Gophers sit number four in the country uh, with a big match Wednesday night in Texas. That will be on the Longhorn Network. That still exists for anybody. Uh, so, but if you have ESPN or ESPN Plus, you should be able to find it online since nobody actually probably has the Longhorn Network on their on their cable or satellite package. So, uh, but you'll be able to stream it like you would ESPN Plus. Uh, Seven o'clock Wednesday night, and then the Gophers return home Sunday for their first home match of the season, where they host uh, the Florida Gators. That's going to be a twelve thirty start Sunday afternoon live on BTN. So, two more ranked opponents coming up for the Gophers this week. Uh, but they got off to a really good start. Hopefully they can at least get a, a split here over the next two, um, and they should be in, in pretty good shape as we uh, move forward here early in the season. All right. Thank you, Andy. It is that time. It is time to close with predictions. Uh, put out our markers for the score. I am going to say they slightly best uh, the 2018 performance. 49-10 Minnesota is my prediction. Uh, I am looking to Andy next. Uh, I think they will go slightly under that. Uh, I'm going to go, oh, let's see. I'll go 41-7 is the final. Blake? Minnesota 35, New Mexico State 10. And Street to close this out. Well, I, as per usual, do not give predictions. But if I were to focus on something for Thursday beyond what Andy and I both said, win and no injuries, I am particularly interested to see whether or not Minnesota can get pressure on a not good team with just four linemen. And so my prediction is one sack from a non-blitz situation. All right. Well, of course, uh, look to the blog for all of your preview content coming into Thursday night and uh, the elite meh and ugly uh, following the game. Thank you. Uh, from from Dear Blake. Uh, also, if you have not yet signed up for Peacock and started watching Columbo, I'm still encouraging Blake to do kind of a, a, either a Discord server or one of those Twitter spaces for kind of a live watch situation as he works his way through all 69 nice episodes of Columbo. Uh, but he hasn't agreed to that yet, so keep your eye out. I- I'm sure that is just around the corner. Uh, in the meantime, uh, just uh, get ready for Thursday night, guys. Uh, go Gophers. Sky Uma. Row the boat.
Cocoa for Thrills the Boat.